0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. And we've been talking the last two weeks about the proof is in the what? The proof is in the fruit. We say the proof is in the pudding. I would argue the proof is in the fruit. And this is something that Jesus talked about. But this is um, the second series I'm doing in a theme called Living Inside Out. The first, first four messages talked about, talked about you're full of it. What are you full of? Talk about what's inside of your heart eventually comes out. About how the human heart is full of selfishness. And that Jesus paid the ultimate price to not cover our sin, not to give us a makeover, but to make us a new creation, to start over from scratch and make us a new creation, restore our relationship with the Father. But we talked about even though our spirit is new, our soul still has to be brought into submission. We still have a soul problem, Right? Uh, And our kind of our key verse, as we went into the second series, was um, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And we've talked about how Jesus is no longer walking the earth like, like we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? However, he is still walking the earth. He just looks a little different. He looks like you and me, right? We are Jesus in the earth today. We're commanded to go into the world just like Jesus, and be Jesus every person we come in contact with. We're now part of God's family, so we have to pull our weight, do our part, fulfill our responsibility within God's house. What part of Jesus should be seen? We talked about this two weeks ago. We're to be the heart of Jesus, having love and compassion for others. We're to be his hands, always at work, meeting the needs of others. We're to be his voice, always speaking the uncompromised truth and love. And lastly, we're to be his feet, walking the talk, going forth and doing the work, not riding the sidelines, not waiting for somebody else to do it. We're called to go into the world and to be Jesus to who? To all people, right? And last week we talked about how do we impact people in our life. And so I was talking about areas I feel like sometimes as the church that we have failed in the world. One is we're to respect and honor people, regardless of whether we agree with them, regardless of whether or not they're believers, regardless of their lifestyle. We respect and honor people because God respects and honors people. Secondly, that we've got to watch our expectations. We tend to, as believers, especially once we've walked with God for a long time, we have certain expectations of ourselves. Our problem is, and that's a great thing, but the problem is we tend to put those expectations on other people. And we can't do that. We can't expect people who don't follow Christ, people in the world, to act any differently than what we'd expect people of the world to walk. And third thing I mentioned was, we're to be a godly example. If we're going to go forth and we're going to talk about how I love Jesus and I go to church and do you go to church, And we need to be a godly example. Right? If we're blowing our witness all the time because we don't look any different than anybody else, we don't act or respond any different than anybody else, and we've blown it. Why would anybody want that? And the last thing I mentioned was see others as God sees them. Guys, we look at the outside. We look at how people look, how they talk, how they smell. Regardless, we make judgments. Because we're human beings, God doesn't look at any of that. God looks straight to the inside, he looks at the heart, he sees the potential, he sees the purpose that he placed within them, and we've got to look at that same thing. Instead of being annoyed by somebody, we need to look at them and see the lost, that they're lost and they're broken and they're hurt. Um, So in this, I think we could all agree that we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus, but I read a couple of surveys this week. It says about half of all churches have zero ministries outside of the four walls of the church. About half of all churches have zero ministries outside of their own four walls. About 63% of deacons and elders have never once led somebody to Christ in their life. We're not talking about just late. We're talking about deacons and elders in churches. 95% of Christians will never win a soul to Christ in their whole life. And less than 2% of Christians are ever involved in any type of evangelism. So we believe, as, as Christians, we believe we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That we're supposed to be him that every person we come in contact with. But according to these statistics, what's the problem? Well, Matthew 26, 14 from the English Standard Version, I look at this. I I just thought of this the other day. As Jesus, you know, he's got the disciples, a few of them there in the garden. He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is what? How many of you can raise your hand like me and admit that sometimes your flesh is weak? Just wait, the holidays are coming up. We'll see how you do with food, right? Sometimes the flesh is weak. I like the Message Bible. The Message Bible in this says, Stay alert, be in prayer, so that you don't wander into into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. You ever done that? Wandered into temptation, didn't even realize you were in danger. It says, There is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. Dude, that was written for me. I look at that and I go, I get it. That makes sense. (laughs) People say, don't understand the Bible. Read the message Bible. I love Eugene Peterson. Dude's awesome. So what is the problem? We know we're supposed to be the hands, feet of Jesus. Well, if we just throw some things off the top of our head, um, one could most certainly be, one could certainly be laziness, right? How many, how many of you would agree? Laziness is quite an issue within the church. It's an issue everywhere. I think that sometimes we watch way too much Netflix and then complain that we don't have any time. About our priorities just being out of whack, I think most definitely, what about the fact that we just simply we just simply don't care enough? That's kind of hard, but it's true sometimes, isn't it? We can walk right by a person in the need and say, "Oh, that's so sad," and keep on walking, right and and, and Look, I think that we really do believe it's sad, but not enough to do something about it, right? I think that the reality is many times we care more about other things. I think if Jesus had to say that over today, he would say, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is busy. How about busyness? Sometimes we're so busy. I, I tell you what, sometimes I'm so focused, I don't see what's going on right in front of me. How many of you are like that sometimes? You're fo- and you don't, you didn't even see what was going on right there. Totally missed it. I was so busy. And so I want to talk, if you, you should have a note sheet in your side of your service guide as well. So if you want to grab that note sheet, you can follow along, fill in the blanks. You can also follow along on the, on the Bible app on the um, iPhone or Android Uh, Devices, but I'm going to give you um, just three thoughts I had about this today. And so, number one, as believers, we have too many missed opportunities. We have too many missed opportunities. I just started thinking about this. I mean, you know, many times we miss those opportunities we have to make a positive difference in somebody's life. We miss opportunities to be a blessing to somebody that's hurting. We miss opportunities to be a witness to our friends. We miss the opportunity sometimes even to get maybe a certain job because we weren't prepared. We miss opportunities to be a blessing to our spouse, our children, because we were too preoccupied. We miss opportunities to make an eternal difference in somebody's life because we were too busy and we might not have even noticed it in the first place. I started thinking about biblical examples, and there were so many I had to finally stop about missed opportunities, but I was thinking, what do you think all those folks who walked by Noah's ark for years and years and years thought once they saw the door closed and the rain start? Uh Uh-oh. That dude we thought was an idiot. (laughs) We missed a big opportunity. I should have mooched with that guy, right? Should have been in with that guy. You know, we look at um, Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, Lot warned his son-in-laws that God was about to destroy the city. And they totally ignored him. Talk about a missed opportunity. Think about the good Samaritan. about the folks that we call believers that walked across the other side of the road and passed right on by. Because of their preconceptions, their busyness, whatever it may have been. I also got to thinking, I, 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 I was looking in, uh, in Acts chapter 7, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is in Athens, and he's on this outcropping of rock called the Areopagus. How many of you have heard of the Areopagus? Areopagus means, uh, means Ares rock. How many of you are, uh, are familiar with Ares from Greek mythology? I've studied Greek mythology, and yeah, Ares. Uh, basically, the reason it's called Ares Rock. Ares um, was accused of murdering the son of Poseidon, and Ares was put on trial by the gods on Areopagus, Ares Rock. And um, actually, I've got a couple pictures. You guys can see. There's a picture of of Areopagus, and then there's another picture that um, Sean and I were standing on on that rock uh, two years ago. It uh, overlooks the whole city of Athens, and it was considered a holy place because this is where the gods put, uh, put Ares on trial for the murder of Poseidon's son. And so this was a holy place where the Greek people would come together. They would hold court there and, uh, and some different things like that. Um, and we know it today. Many translations call it Mars Hill. And so you got there on Mars Hill. Uh, Paul's there, and he comes up, and he comes upon an altar. And this altar had an inscription. Anybody know what the inscription said? It said, to the unknown God, right? Now we know that the Greeks had a, they had a lot of gods. They, they couldn't explain something and they made another God, right? Might as well be a God of that. And so they were afraid they might've missed one. So they made an altar and they dedicated it to the unknown God. So Paul shows up there and he said, huh, what an opportunity. And he turns to them again to tell them about the unknown God the God that they'd missed, right? And so, that's what we see there in Acts chapter 17, and he's telling them, he's basically preaching the gospel to them, and they're all listening intently until he gets to one point. He makes a mention that on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And it says, in chapter 17, verse 32, it says, when they heard Paul talk about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt— But others said, we want to hear more about this later. You know, a lot of times we talk about later. Well, one day, when I've heard people say, when I get older, I'll follow the Lord. When I get older, I'll I'll be dedicated and buckle down, and I'll I'll get involved in the church, and I'll do this and that. Do you know, two verses later, Paul leaves Athens, and there's no evidence biblically that he ever returned. We'll hear more about this later. What a missed opportunity. Now, we know that there were some believers in Athens, but you've got to, we've got to believe that there were believers there that never heard the message again. This was their opportunity, and they missed it in that moment. How many of you think about the two thieves on the cross? They had an opportunity, didn't they? One of them took advantage, and one didn't on either side of Jesus. How many of, you have, how many of you can admit that when it comes to you being used by God, you have missed plenty of opportunities? We all do. I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but there was a number of years ago, I remember being at a, um, at a car dealership. I took a, one of the vehicles in to this dealership for something, and I don't remember what it was. I had to leave it, and um, no, I picked it up. I picked, went to pick up a vehicle from car dealership. And uh, that had been repaired. And I went in and I paid. And as I was coming out, this older lady walks by me. And she looked kind of, you know, like, and I said, hey, how are you? As we're walking by. And she goes, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing so well today. And, I, and as she walked by, I said, I, oh, I'm so sorry. And I kept on walking and got in my car. How many of us have ever done that before? And I actually pulled out of the drive and felt so convicted that I went down to the next light. I turned around and went back and went in looking for her. And she was gone. What a missed opportunity. Remember the parable of the talents? That brother thought he was doing the right thing by burying a talent and doing nothing with it. He was given a gift by God to make a difference. And he buried it. Probably walked by it every day on his way to work, knowing it was buried right there. Did nothing with it. I'll tell you what, we know that God in the end, the father, the, whoever the guy was in the parable, he said, you wicked and lazy servant, right? I don't want to ever stand before God and be called a wicked and lazy servant. Our desire should be to honor God with their life and to further his kingdom. Proverbs 10.5 from the English Standard Version says, He who gathers in the summer is a prudent son. Basically talking about The harvest. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. That's pretty crazy. That should light a little bit of a fire underneath us. We were never meant to stand by the sidelines. Why do we miss so many opportunities? I think sometimes we're lazy. I think many times we're self-absorbed. I think many times we're simply not watching for the opportunities that God brings into our lives. Which brings me to number two. Number one was we missed too many opportunities. Number two, we must live with our eyes and ears open. As we've talked about the last few weeks, Jesus was was our example. And I'm going to read you a quick story. Um, I, I touched on this, I believe, last week, Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43. It says, As he drew near Jericho, this is Jesus, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. So imagine, Jesus is walking, right? And there's this huge crowd around him, following him. Here's a beggar off to the side. He hears this crowd and starts asking folks around him, what's going on? What's going on? Because he's blind, right? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, this guy obviously knows who Jesus is, because in the next verse he says, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He knows who Jesus is. He's heard the stories, and he's not going to miss this opportunity. So he begins crying out. In verse 39, it says, And those who were in front, the front of the crowd, rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. It says in verse 40, And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. You realize in three scriptures, they went from rebuking the guy to seeing it and giving praise to God. So we know that this is a big crowd as Jesus is walking to Jericho. Off the side is this blind man. I mean, you know, probably, he might, uh, this is probably a big crowd. It's probably hard for this guy to get Jesus' attention in the first place. There was probably a lot of people calling out Jesus' name. But Jesus' eyes and ears were wide open. Jesus was aware of what's going on around him, he was listening and looking. We see that he stops what he's doing, he steps through the crowd, and he touches this guy. God places opportunities in front of us every day, and we're not surrounded by a crowd now how many of you know that we have many times loud voices we have to-do lists going through our heads and all this stress and all these different things going on so many times there are loud voices but god places us in the right places at the right time to make a difference if we could just slow down for just a second and listen to the call of the holy spirit we would find that we could do so much more than we ever thought we could there's so many more opportunities in front of us than we ever, rec- ever recognize, and I think we miss them every single day. I'll read to you the f- f- scariest verse I've read in a while. And I, I actually, I've heard this before, but I, I read it from the Living Bible. Luke 6, not, uh, I'm sorry, 962 says, Anyone who lets himself get distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. Is that not kind of scary? Anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. As if you've been a believer for any length of time in your life, you've probably, you probably have the desire within your heart to be used by God. Most believers, I believe there is a desire within there to be used by God, but many, if not most, never will be. Why? Because they've got their own agenda. So busy. Got their plans and their dreams and their desires and their ambitions. And they don't have any time. In the midst of the busyness, they try to carve out a little sliver. Oh, well, I'm going to go to church Sunday. A little sliver of time for God. And feel like that's enough. Okay, I've done my part. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just give this little piece to God. But it doesn't work that way. Here's something I really, I really thought about that really hit me this week. God can only use me as I make myself available. And I think very few of, of us find ourselves available. I'm not available a lot. Just get too daggone busy, too wrapped up, doing things for God, right? Too busy, too busy. Many times as human beings, believers, we focus on our ability. Well, I'm, I'm just not, I, I, I just don't know the Bible good enough. I'm like Moses. Well, I'm just not well-spoken or you know, I'm not a people person or I'm not this or I'm not that. God doesn't care about our ability. He cares about our availability. God's never cared about ability. That's never made the slightest bit of difference. Because when we step out in his name, we use, it's his ability that empowers us. God doesn't care about ability. But if we're not available, it doesn't make a lick of difference. Look at Jesus' disciples. You know, they were made fun of a few times. They were Galilean podunk dudes. They were made fun of for being uneducated realize that seriously ability well we know that they could drop a hook in the water and catch a fish we don't see a whole lot more than that these weren't guys of ability they were uneducated they had businesses to attend to and families to take care of there were plenty of reasons for them to say no when jesus came along and said follow me but they made themselves available. When Jesus called, they followed. And because of that, those men turned the world upside down. It was never the same again. People have this idea that God will use them if they're able. No, God uses us if we are available. We've got to learn to slow down things and get back to what really matters. And I think too often stuff keeps us being aware of the God opportunities that we encounter every day in life. And how many of you know we can't do everything? How many of you would say you're the type of person that has a hard time saying no? You just go, go, go. People ask, to, oh, yeah, okay, I can do that. Go and go and go and go and never say no. And look, it might be in your family. I can barely manage when I mean, each of our kids was doing one sport. I know people that have their kids in three sports at the same time. you got to be kidding. There's no way in the world. On top of everything else, there comes a point where we've got to slow down, and there comes a point where we have to start saying no to some things. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, Everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. There are many people in ministry. I know I've been plenty guilty of it before. Being so busy for God that I don't foster that relationship with God. Being so busy for God that I don't recognize the God opportunities that are in place of me, in in, in place in front of me. Remember, we just said we're not, what we were just saying, we're not watching for God opportunities, but I think also we're not responding to God's calls. And I think many times God is screaming to get our attention, and we're so preoccupied by other things that we don't hear it. His calls are drowned out by fleshly desire because we won't slow down and listen and respond, which brings me to number three we must be willing to obey. And I know we all know that, and we all nod our head and go like, oh, yeah, we got to be willing to obey God. But really, we got to be willing to obey. We all have areas in our lives. If you've been a believer for any length of time involved in the church, you know there's areas in your life that you need to deal with. And somebody finally comes to uh, to us and says, hey, I recognize this in in you, and, you know, you've really got to turn this over to God. And you'll be like, I know, I know, I know, I need to do that, I know. But do we do it? Are we really willing to obey Again, we put it off and say, yeah, I'll, I'll deal with that eventually. Yeah I'll get to that. Isaiah 119 says if if everybody say if yeah. if you're willing and obedient, you shall see the good of the land. Remember I talked about if then statements if you're willing and obedient what If you go down a few scriptures, actually verse um, 22 says, he then goes from that saying, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So here's the way I see these two scriptures. If you're a doer of the word, then you're willing to act and obey. And if we're willing to act, And obey, that means that we're prepared to do what God says. We're willing to, we're prepared to do his word. And as we do it, we see if you jump down two more scriptures, three more to verse 25, it says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. Now we all want that, right? But it goes back to being willing and obedient, being a doer of the word, not just hearing the word and thus being deceived, but hearing the word, doing it, being willing, obeying. And then we find that we're blessed in all we do. We eat from the goodness of the, from the, goodness of the good of the land. Guys, willingness toward God changes everything. If we are simply willing and obedient, we will experience the best in this life. But why don't we? I think it goes back to what we read in Matthew 26. The flesh is weak. It goes back to the soul. The spirit is willing. Down deep in there, we find the desire. There is a desire down deep in there. But our priorities are out of whack. Negative excuses that keep us from responding to the spirit. Reasons we don't step out and touch somebody's life. Well, I don't have the time. I don't have what it takes. It's too risky. It can't be done. It's impossible. What if it doesn't work? What if I lose what I have? It's not about our our ability, right? Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We've got to be willing to run forward knowing that God is our confidence. God is our courage. He's our constant. He's the rock. He's never failed us, and he never will. Do we believe it? God has given us purpose, and our desire should be to make our lives count for something. To further his kingdom. How many of you have been at the place in your life before where you've actually gotten depressed because your life seems so mundane? Such a routine over and over and over again. Get up, brush my teeth, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed. What have you ever felt like that before? Repeat. Get up, brush my teeth, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed. Repeat, 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 repeat. repeat. I have you know that there's more to this life? If we are willing, if we will recognize the opportunities around us, if we will have our eyes and ears open, if we are willing and obedient to God, that's when we will truly find satisfaction in this life because then we'll be living out what we were created to do. Let me read you a quick story. I read a book last week. Um, it was, um, called, um, I don't remember what it was called. (laughs) I didn't write it down. Um, uh, the secret, uh, something of Steve Jobs. It was about the way Steve Jobs, how he could captivate a crowd and the way he presented things, the way he spoke, the way he, the way he studied, the way kind of his mind worked. Great. It was a good book. But, um, in this, there was a story. Some of you may have read, I read his biography too, but, and this story was in there as well. But um, from that book, just quoting this, uh, it says When Apple Computer went public in 1983, when it went went public in 1983 and two years later made its debut on the Fortune 500 list of America's top companies, Steve Jobs, Apple's young and legendary founder, needed a CEO and a mentor for his company. His first recruit anybody know who it was? It was John Scully. He was then president of PepsiCo. That was 1983. Uh, John Scully's the one who came up with the Pepsi Challenge. Y'all remember that? So some of you, uh, some of us are a a little bit, little bit older. They'd have the Coke and the Pepsi in the cup, and I always picked Coke when I did it. but anyway. Um, Scully, though he had no reason to doubt the impact of Apple, he was unwilling to give up a good, cushy job at Pepsi, who, which already had a big brand name and was a powerhouse corporation in a darling stock. The idea of building Apple from its foundation and steering Apple into the future didn't interest him. He wasn't particularly enamored with his job at Pepsi, but moving west didn't appeal to him either. Pepsi's CEO turned Jobs jobs down, but Jobs wouldn't take no for an answer and posed to him a question uh, that changed his mind. It changed the direction of Apple and the course of computer history. And actually in the book it talks about how when he told Steve Jobs no, Steve Jobs just kinda hung his head and stood there in silence for a moment. And then he finally looked up and said, and this is in quotes, what Scully says Jobs said to him, he looked at me, looked up at me and just stared with a stare that only Steve Jobs has, and he said, Do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? And I just gulped because I knew I would wonder for the rest of my life what I would have missed. John Sculley left Pepsi and became the CEO of Apple Computer. His eyes were opened to the opportunity in front of him, even though he wasn't interested at first. He recognized the opportunity and he jumped at it. The purpose and satisfaction that every human being searches for, is only found in God and his purpose for our life. He places opportunities before us every day. And he calls us to step up to the plate And do something more than live our mundane lives every day. He encourages us to get our eyes off of ourselves and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Last scripture I want to share with you. I read this week in Ezra. Ezra chapter 10 verse 4. He says, arise for this is your task and we're with you. Be strong and do it. Just do it. I didn't realize Nike didn't start that. Arise, for it is your task, and we're with you. Be strong and do it. And I believe that is the word of the Lord to each of us this morning. Arise, this is your task. Be strong and do it. Let's all stand up together. And we can get the worship team to come on on back up. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads together. Let me talk for a second about the greatest missed opportunity that we can possibly have in this life. Millions of billions of people will walk this earth without ever receiving Jesus and spend an eternity separated from God. There's those of us who have received the gift of salvation. But we refuse to get our soul in line so that God can use us to do something great. Wherever you find yourself, I encourage you to examine your life the this series is called Proof is in the Fruit. We called it that because Jesus said that his followers and believers will be known by the fruit of their life. As a follower of Jesus, it doesn't mean you won't have a bad day, but it means you've got the creator of the universe walking with you. It means that you don't ever have to be hopeless. It means that your life is never empty. You always have more to aspire to and more to live for because he's planned out every day. It means that we can live and we can be 101 years old and know that God's not done with us yet, that there's still more purpose. No matter what storm comes our way, no matter what disaster, we can know that we walk hand in hand with him and we can know that he's got this. We can actually have joy in the midst of it. Things the world can't even comprehend. We can know that we'll never be alone. You look at the stats and so many, so many people say that they feel hopeless and alone. As a follower of Jesus, you never have to feel alone. Never. He's always right there. All we have to do is turn our heart toward him. It takes one second. And we find that he was right there all along. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. Jude one thirteen says that people who receive Jesus are way, like wild waves of the sea, foaming up in their shame, wandering stars, for whom the darkest, for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved, reserved forever. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4 says, As followers of Jesus, we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that's kept in heaven for us, pure and undefiled, beyond the range, reach of change and decay. Most people who aren't even followers of Jesus, most people know John 3.16. For God so loved the world, They gave His only begotten Son, right? He sent Jesus to the cross that whoever believes in Him won't perish have eternal life. Lord showed me something this week. You know we think of that scripture, and we immediately think of we immediately think of heaven and hell. Won't perish, go to hell, but have eternal life. Go to heaven. You realize that's not what it's talking about? You realize eternal life doesn't start the moment we take our final breath. It starts the moment we receive Jesus. It starts the moment that we surrender our life to Him and we say, Lord, I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm done. It's a hopeless cause. Eternal life means that we're present with God. We can live a prosperous life. It doesn't mean you're gonna be rich and wealthy. It means that you're present with God and he's always gonna be there to supply for every need. You're gonna have somebody to turn to when things go bad you're going to have somebody to rejoice with and to praise when you see yourself blessed that's life being present with God communing with the Father with every head bowed if that's you and you recognize that you through your life have missed an opportunity an opportunity to surrender your life to God, to make him number one to put yourself aside then this is your moment or you might be like me. I was in men's group Tuesday night, our men's small group, and I, was, I mentioned I hadn't thought of it in a long time. I was raised in the church. You might have been as well. But at 16 or 17 years old, I realized that I had to make my faith my own. I would have always called myself a follower of Christ, but I had never truly surrendered my life to him. And you might find yourself in that same place. You might have prayed a prayer. You might have asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, but you never really surrendered your life to him. You realize that it was simply words that you spoke, words that maybe you repeated after somebody. And you recognize, you know what? I've missed a great opportunity. I've missed the opportunity to give my life to the one who laid down his life for me every head bowed. If that's you and you would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Maybe you never have, or maybe you need to do it fresh and anew. If that's you, just lift your hand up and let me see this morning. Yeah. Who else? And and lift your hand up. Just, Just look up at me right quick. That's you. Yeah. Who else? Lift up your hand so I can see. Who would say, I have got to surrender my life. I'm done living for myself. I'm a failure on my own. I need God. All right. We're going to pray a prayer together. And maybe you didn't lift your hand. That's, man, that is all right. We're going to pray a prayer together. And as we do, I encourage you to position your heart in a position of surrender. Recognizing who God is and what he did for you. Purpose within your heart that your life is going to change from this moment onward. That things are not going to be the same. Whatever God says, wherever He says go, whatever He says do, you're going to be quick to listen and quick to obey. But you're going to allow Him to use you to make a difference and to count for something more. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Today, I recognize that Jesus willingly gave His life for me, He took my sin and my shame and my guilt and he didn't just cover it he obliterated it he buried it in the sea of forgetfulness he separated it from himself as far as the east is from the west he chose to forget it he paid my price he paid the ransom and today I accept Jesus' sacrifice as my own. Jesus, I call you Lord of my life. I believe that you are who you say you are. And I will follow you all the days of my life. I will love like you loved. Use me to make a difference. Holy Spirit, fill me now. Empower me to be everything that you've called me to be. I will follow you all the days of my life to my final breath. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Y'all, get, just give the Lord a hand this morning. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to go ahead and come forward. It's our pastors and elders. I ask you to come down front to the sides. and um, And I... I want everybody just to hang tight for just a second. We're going to sing one more worship song for just a minute. And guys, I want you to examine your life and where you're at. Guys, God has so much more for for you than coming to church each Sunday. So much more. We've got this idea, especially as Americans, that it's almost like we've done our duty for God. We've surrendered our whole life to him. How can going to church for an hour and a half satisfy that? I want us to stop and examine our lives for just a moment. And recognize the opportunities that we miss every day. We get so consumed in our agenda and our schedule. are Jesus walking around everyday Your day you're co-workers God has sent you and you're Jesus to them you're to speak words of love and encouragement and kindness regardless of whether you like them or agree with them or think they smell funny you're Jesus to them so make the difference step into what God's called you to It's not something he's calling you to today. It's something you were born for. You'll never be happy until you step into it. You'll never be satisfied. Let's get off the sidelines. Quit riding the bench. And choose that we're going to do more. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord,